Welcome to the Recent Speeches podcast presented by BYU Speeches, featuring inspiring new devotionals and forums given each week on BYU campus. Be sure to check out our other podcasts by searching BYU Speeches wherever you get your podcasts or by visiting speeches.byu.edu slash podcasts. We've been uh, richly fed this morning, and you know our, we are custom, accustomed to offering wishes of good luck as someone gets ready to uh, begin a remark such as this. Uh, today, I think as several faculty colleagues walked by me and as we were going between these two sessions, I think rather than well wishes, they were really wishes of, you don't have a chance, good luck with that today. We have just been so richly fed by uh, President Worthen and then, of course, the wonderful remarks we heard from one of that I sustain as a prophet, seer, and revelator, and that's from Elder Holland. As we uh, gather together today at this faculty session of the annual university conference, we are thrilled to be together as we start another fall semester when students are buzzing around and excitement is in the air. I extend my warmest greetings and open-armed welcome to BYU's 109 new members of the faculty. Some join us from other institutions. Others are freshly minted PhDs. Every college in the university will welcome new members of the faculty this year. I'm thrilled for the opportunities that await you as you begin your journey at BYU. I invite you to participate fully in the university, attend a cultural event, watch a soccer game, walk around campus and experience all the feels of this amazing place. While the pandemic may necessitate some limitations on that experience, I remain optimistic and hopeful that those of you who join us this year will be granted a view of what a tremendous student body talented and welcoming faculty, stunning campus environment, and sweet feelings that await you as you find belonging on this campus. May you find the awe of participating in the mission of BYU like I have in my 20 years here at BYU. President Worthen invited graduates in a commencement address to be awful in its original, unpedurated sense, that you always be aware of the things that are awe-inspiring. As he did in 2017, I urge you to be full of awe as you begin this school year. With the upcoming semester's challenges, with the ongoing pandemic, we will face yet another opportunity to demonstrate those virtues that make our campus community so fantastic. President Nelson has called the vaccines an answer to prayers and a, quote, literal godsend, unquote. I invite you to be vaccinated. Because epidemiological studies have suggested efficacy of masks in reducing the spread of COVID, I invite you to wear masks when indoors and when physical distancing is not possible. In the discussions that inevitably will happen on this campus during this school year, I invite you to have those discussions with mutual respect and the humility to admit that the person standing opposite you may also be correct. In short, I invite each of us to interact with one another using those, quote, 
from, quoting from our mission statement, those moral virtues which characterize the life and teachings of the Son of God. Now, I need to take a moment to make a, a commentary here. There may be some sense that there was some coordination in the remarks of those who've spoken today. I assure you that that's not true, yet you may wonder by the time I get done with my talk. I think we were all directed to that day when BYU's Carillon Tower was constructed and commemorated to celebrate the 100th anniversary of the BYU. And as President Spencer W. Kimball noted in his dedicatory address on October 10th, 1976, the Carillon Bells would play, quote, the great melodies which have motivated the people of the Lord's Church in the past and will lift our hearts and inspire us in the second century with joy and even greater determination, close quote. I know that I have been lifted with joy and greater determination and at times during the last year reminded that it was a time to begin another Zoom meeting by those bells ringing, all is well, all is well. In comparing his prophetic vision of the potential for BYU as an institution of higher education to a mountain, he described BYU as an, quote, educational Everest. That is the mountain peak that towers above all other mountains. In describing how BYU might establish itself as an educational Everest, President Kimball said, quote, there are many ways in which BYU can tower above other universities, not simply because of the size of its student body or the, its beautiful campus, but because of the unique light BYU can send forth into the educational world. Your light must have a special glow, as we've been reminded today. For while you will do many things in the programs of this university that are done elsewhere, these same things can and must be done better here then others do them. You will also do some special things here that are left undone by other institutions. In a poignantly prof- prophetic declaration, President Kimball indicated that not only were we to shine a light into the sphere of higher education, but that we should shine a unique light into the sphere of higher education. As a reinforcement of the need to be unique in our efforts, Elder David A. Bednar of the Quorum of the Twelve Apostles at a recent BYU Leadership Summit shared that, quote, we should not simply follow the established or emerging patterns of other universities to address the challenges we do now and will yet face. We can, we should, and we must look unto the Savior in every thought to find every solution and to make every decision. At BYU, we can truly focus on the spiritual and practical substance of solutions and not just on superficial symbolism. We should be unique in striking at the root of important and timely issues and not merely one of the thousands hacking at the branches. By looking unto the Lord, we can fulfill our remarkable role and responsibility in a manner which had never, never had been known. Close quote. 
a critical component of the realization of the prophetic vision for the destiny of BYU as a distinctive institution of higher education, then, is the uniqueness of our approach. President Worthen has spoken previously about the unique kind of education that we provide for our students at BYU. Today, I want to focus a few of the as- as- on a few of the aspects of that unique education that distinctly affect us as faculty at BYU. I find it instructive that the etymology of the word unique indicates that modern usage may reflect some loss of its original meaning. As use of the term unique picked up in the 19th century, it has devolved to represent concept like concepts like remarkable, unusual, or uncommon. The Latin root of unique is unicus, which means one and only. Today, I would like to focus my remarks on two aspects of the definition of unique and that that are implied by its Latin root, and that is one and only. How can we be both one and only as a university? Or how can we retain our uniqueness when we might be tempted to be more and more like others? It is notable that President Kimball suggests that even the things in the programs, the things in the programs of this university, the same academic endeavors that are done elsewhere, will be done better here at BYU. Above and beyond those endeavors that are done elsewhere, President Kimball mentions that, that there are things that will be left undone by others done here at BYU. Implicit in this reference, President Kimball seems to suggest that these are not merely efforts that that others will not undertake, but they are left undone by others. May I suggest to you that each of you may be engaged in efforts that are left undone by your colleagues at other prominent institutions around the country, around the world. Today, I want to share a few ways I view BYU as unique, or the ways faculty at BYU are either doing things better than others or doing things that are simply being left undone by others. First, in the language that both President Kimball and Elder Bednar, one of the defining and unique aspects of BYU is that we take peculiar peculiar approaches to solving problems. Because we are blessed to be sponsored by the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, and our board of trustees are comprised by those we sustain not only as church leaders, but also as prophets, seers, and revelators, means that we can appeal to the lessons that we have all learned from our shared tradition in the gospel of Jesus Christ. In solutions grounded in the gospel of Jesus Christ, we find both defining aspects of our uniqueness, unity or oneness, and singularity, or set apart from others. One way to describe the kind of solutions based on the teachings of the great mediator, Jesus Christ, rather than the standard practices of other institutions of higher education, is that they are, are, quote, gospel methodologies. These gospel methodologies are approaches, approaches to problems that may not even enter into the lexicon of traditional institutions of higher education. While you will certainly come up with appropriate gospel methodologies to solve problems facing students, faculty, and staff in your own departments and colleges, some gospel methodologies that can serve our entire university community are taught to us from a young age and include such revolutionary ideas as forgiveness, repentance, 
forgiveness, unity, and love. While such methodologies may be scorned by others, the fact that building faith in the Savior of all mankind is at the core of our mission statement allows us to leverage that common faith to unify us in using principles like forgiveness and unity and repentance and love to address the issues that we can and will face in the upcoming school year. The beauty of gospel methodologies as remedies for the ills we face together is the sense of unity that they create. Take forgiveness, for example. While those who do not subscribe to gospel methodologies may view forgiveness as a sign of weakness, we know that the principle of forgiveness is eternal and provides a path for both understanding and reconciliation. What a powerful tool for our campus community in these times that seem to offer opportunities for division at every turn. Timothy Keller, a prominent Presbyterian pastor in Manhattan, spoke of these, this sense of community that results when the gospel methodology of forgiveness is applied. He said, quote, Christians in community are never to give up on one another, never give up on a relationship, never write off another believer and have nothing to do with them. We must never tire of forgiving and or repenting and seeking to repair our relationships. Matthew chapter 5 verses 23 to 26 tells us if we should go to someone if we know they have something against us. Matthew eighteen fifteen to 20 says we should approach someone if we know we have something against them. In short, if a relationship is cooled off or has weakened in any way, it's always your move. It doesn't matter who started it. God always holds you responsible to reach out to repair a tattered relationship. A Christian is responsible to begin the process of reconciliation, regardless of how the distance or the alienation began. Close quote. Despite worldly clamor that forgiveness is a sign of weakness, we collectively understand that forgiveness is a path to understanding, a path to healing. In a season of the world, when the clamor is loud and we may feel wronged, our ability to forgive and be forgiven will lead to healing and unity as a campus community. We have the need of gospel methodologies to address the pressing issues of our day. Forgiveness is but one of the many gospel methodologies that will build unity and distinguish us from our peers during this, the second century. As President Kimball put it, quote, gospel methodology concepts and insights can help us do what the world cannot do in its frame of reference, close quote. In other words, our gospel methodologies like forgiveness will provide a path unseen by other institutions of higher education. The second is inspiring learning. President Kevin J. Worthen has reminded us of our unique approach to balancing teaching and research in his seminal address entitled Inspiring Learning. I commend it to each of you. In trying to capture the essence of the four aims of a BYU education, he gave the following definition. When I use the term inspiring learning, I have in mind both meanings of the word inspiring. I hope that we inspire our students to learn. And I hope that learning leads to inspiration. When both things happen, inspiring learning occurs. 
And we can then know we are on the right track to achieve the core goals set forth in our mission statement. Close quote. Notice that this includes not only the lessons learned in classrooms, but it more broadly includes a wide range of learning that leads to inspiration. Examples include the lessons learned when a student and a faculty engage in a research project together. Lessons learned when a faculty member is able to share an insight with a student that improves their character and lessons learned when a student interacts with a faculty member on a study abroad. One of the thrilling aspects of reviewing the reports that students share about their inspiring learning experiences is the words they use to describe the inspiring learning that has happened in their lives. Words like amazing, life-changing, transformative, provided opportunities that wouldn't have been possible if I didn't work with my professor. Wow. I'm quite certain that we may never know the extent of the influence of our efforts to mentor students, but reading their own descriptions is itself an inspiring exercise. It goes without saying that President Worthen's definition of inspiring learning implies that students are at the center of all endeavors at BYU. I get a front row seat to see and feel the inspiring nature of the inspiring learning when I interact with our students. The diverse ways students, the faculty engage with students is impressive. From classroom instruction to study abroad to student employment to student service and activities, the inspiring learning on this campus is broad in its manifestation and profound in its influence. The gold standard for inspiring learning is when a faculty member and a student or a group of students are jointly engaged in the research endeavor. Walking through the portal of discovery together not only allows for the type of discovery and inquiry that may also happen at other institutions, research mentoring at BYU also allows students to see how a faculty member increases understanding of his or her own academic discipline and simultaneously strives to increase her or his faith in the Savior. This process of discovery and our razor-like focus on students as we pursue the research endeavor is a critical component of our unique mission at BYU. While serving as the president of BYU, Elder Jeffrey R. Holland said, quote, I am making an unabashed appeal for a distinctly LDS approach to education, an approach best featured on this campus by our present university-wide efforts in religious honors, and general education. Now, I do not want my next statement misunderstood. And then he parenthetically said, please do not misunderstand. I do not believe that Brigham Young University, at least with current policies governing both funding and mission, will or should ever aspire to be a great research university as the world defines research universities. I do believe, however, with all my heart, that we should aspire to become the finest undergraduate university on the face of the planet. Now, the misunderstanding I don't want is a knee-jerk, unwarranted assumption that we will therefore have no serious scholarship required of us, nor have a significant, albeit careful, selection of graduate and professional programs. I did not say we would be a four-year college. I said we would be a university. But we will never, I think, be an MIT or a Caltech nor should we. However, to be a world-class undergraduate teaching university, we have to be a lot smarter and a lot better than we are now. For the purposes of an absolutely unequaled 
liberal arts, general and religious education, we have to have teachers who investigate and integrate and know something, who are ambitious about godly growth. What Joseph Smith would call enlargement. We have to have teachers who are growing in precisely the same manner we expect students to grow. And that requires significant scholarship. Close quote. A unifying and singular aspect of our BYU uniqueness is not exclusively the quantity or quality of our scholarship, but lies in the motivation for pursuing that high-quality scholarship. Unlike peer institutions that pursue scholarship for accolades from academic peers or increased personal reputation, at BYU we pursue scholarship because the investigation and integration develop the quality of our students' whole person. BYU is no more unique than the faculty who are entrusted with the education, mentoring, and leadership of our students. In speaking about the important role of our faculty, President Kevin J. Worthen has reiterated the following substantive and bold statement in various settings around campus. He's heard saying, the most important decisions that will be made in my tenure as president at BYU are the people we hire. While I personally am prone to overstatement, so making overarching and perhaps overreaching statements such as this is not, are not beyond me, President Worthen, on the other hand, is, not, is a man who measures his words carefully. His wise, wise leadership follows the well-known mantra of carpenters, measure twice or three times, cut once. It is notable that given the weight of the many decisions he makes in the course of his inspired leadership at this university, that he considers the decisions on hiring faculty not among the most important decisions made at this university, but rather those that we hire are the most important decisions. While hiring hiring faculty who closely align with the mission of the university is a responsibility that President Worthen, Worthen feels acutely, It is a responsibility that he shares with not only me as academic vice president, but that we as a faculty share with him. The primary purpose of faculty work at BYU is to assist individuals in their quest for perfection and eternal life. That assistance should provide a period of intensive learning in a stimulating setting where a commitment to excellence is expected and the full realization of human potential is pursued. In short, exceptional spiritual, intellectual, and emotional development of our students. Indeed, we strive to fulfill President Spencer W. Kimball's prophetic admonition that every professor and teacher in this institution would keep his or her subject matter bathed in the light and color of the restored gospel. Our ability to define and assess and hire and retain faculty who are well aligned with the mission of the university is vital to the sustainability of our unique and inspired mission and the foundational imperative shared by our board of trustees. In our hiring stance, we maintain a strong preference to hire faithful members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. The distinction between alignment with our mission or mission fit and ecclesiastical clearance is worth noting. While mission fit is assessed is our shared responsibility. Ecclesiastical clearance is determined by the Church Ecclesiastical Clearance Office. 
Hiring faculty who have academic credentials, are committed teachers in their fields of choice, are invested citizens, and have essential elements of alignment with the BYU mission statement is essential to sustaining the mission of BYU. The characteristics of faculty who meet the basic academic standards for faculty employment, as well as mission alignment standards, include intentionality in building faith in Jesus Christ and testimony of his restored gospel among members of the BYU community, commitment to seek and be led by the Holy Ghost in all aspects of our university assignments, student-centeredness above all other professional pursuits, excellence in teaching, scholarship, mentoring, and citizenship, commitment to campus culture of unity, love, and belonging, a pattern of exemplary conduct that combines spiritual values, personal integrity, in conducting work in a professional manner consistent with the values espoused by the university and the church, a pattern of public expression that faithfully promotes the mission and doctrines of the church and is devoid of contradicting or opposing church doctrines, policies, and general leaders, and refrain from expressions and behaviors that are dishonest, unchaste, profane, and disrespectful of others. Each of these seven characteristics reinforce the uniqueness of BYU in the ecosphere of institutions of higher education. I invite faculty colleagues to engage in dialogue about how we prepare, recruit, attract, hire, and retain faculty who align closely with the mission of BYU. In these discussions, I anticipate that we will be blessed with revelation about how to proceed in ways that we may not now see clearly. It is both the act of seeking those with such strong qualification and the inspiration needed to find those prepared with the qualifications that make our faculty unique or one and only. Today, I also wish to express my appreciation to colleagues from around campus for a continuing effort to evaluate our current general education offerings at BYU. Discussions around camp around the world happen regularly, and because they touch on so many areas that we treasure, they are often discussions that include unavoidable conflicting and competing demands. As Elder Uchtdorf put it so well in his recent, recent devotional address at Education Week, conflict is inevitable, contention is a choice. And the colleagues working so diligently on a proposal for GE have chosen to make the process distinctly uncontentious. We look forward to the continued dialogue as they are nearing a proposal to improve the general education of our students, all the while balancing the important and strong pull to preserve the disciplinary standards that have been erected over time. Interestingly, Elder Holland discussed the intersection of a general education and disciplinary rigor in 1988 when he said, quote, As for the honors and general education programs, I consider them to be precious jewels in the BYU crown and at the very heart of the most important contributions BYU can make to the world of higher education. A great deal that is very exciting to me is happening in these university-wide programs and more will happen. Our sisterhood and brotherhood and gospel-based goodwill here give us sufficient, give us a distinct GE advantage at BYU in our ability to cross disciplinary and departmental lines. We simply have a very muscular leg up on the rest of the academic world that way. We must seize that advantage. 
having focused for several years primarily on structural arrangements, curricular issues, and winning faculty support, we are now free to pursue informed, inspired, liberating education. May I suggest, however, that we must do a better job of communicating the very practical value of our general education to our students and to the public. I think it is very important for us not to create an unnecessary cleavage between between the world of the academy and the world of work, especially not in the minds of tuition-paying parents and higher education's increasing number of critics. We need to do a better job of showing the crucial link between general education and profession or vocation. I think that charge holds true today. We look forward to the opportunity to share the progress of our general education redesign effort on campus. Our opportunity is to provide an informed, inspired, liberating, and may I add, unique education for our students. As a compelling example of how we might utilize gospel methodology in an effort to unify our campus community is the statement of belonging shared with our campus community this morning by President Kevin J. Worthen. I invite you to find meaningful ways to reinforce the principles found in the statement of belonging that President Worthen shared earlier this morning. The BYU Statement on Belonging reads, and I will read it verbatim, We are united by our common primary identity as children of God and our commitment to the truths of the restored gospel of Jesus Christ. We strive to create a community of belonging composed of students, faculty, and staff whose hearts are knit together in love, where... All relationships reflect a devout love of God and a loving, genuine concern for the welfare of our neighbor, where we value and embrace the variety of individual characteristics, life experiences and circumstances, perspectives, talents, and gifts of each member of the community, and the richness and strength they bring to our community. Our interactions create and support an environment of belonging and the full realization of each student's divine potential is our central focus. With that statement of belonging, I invite each of you to take opportunities in department and college councils to counsel together about ways that you might help all members of the BYU campus community feel a greater sense of belonging. I invite you to use those opportunities to discuss, in particular, those individuals who feel estranged from the campus community. The BYU Statement on Belonging can become a framework and a guide to assist in those discussions. As we anchor our counsel in the understanding that we are each children of loving Heavenly Parents, those discussions will be enlightened by inspiration about how our hearts can be knit together in unity and in love towards another. Faculty colleagues, thank you for being here today. Thank you for who you are. Thank you for your gifts and talents and for consecrating those gifts and talents to this grand cause which we are all engaged in and for successfully and gratefully making it to the end of this long discourse. I hope we can understand and embrace our uniqueness as a faculty at BYU. Today I will conclude with the same encouragement that President Kimball urged of the university faculty, staff, and students in his Second Century Address, which was to lengthen your stride, quicken your step, and continue your journey. 
I am confident that as we do so, we will be granted heaven's help. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen. You've been listening to the Recent Speeches podcast presented by BYU Speeches. Please check out our other podcasts, including classic speeches taken from our vast audio library, as well as other BYU Speeches compilations on love and marriage, overcoming adversity, by study and by faith. Come follow me, the prophet Joseph Smith, and Jesus Christ, our Savior and Redeemer. Go to speeches.byu.edu and click on podcasts for more information. You can also find all BYU Speeches podcasts at your preferred podcast provider.